if I ever came to that point that I did die, I wanted to pick my pallbearers on two braves, <clears throat> two falcons, and two bulldogs. I know they'll let me down. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope that don't offend you. <laughs> but it's about the truth, isn't it, guys? <laughs> uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 says, But as for you, keep a clear head about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their presence here tonight and their faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's just one that needs to come closer to you, I pray this message would draw them. The Holy Spirit would go and say what I'll never say. And Lord, that you'd be glorified by these men giving their lives to you all over again if they've already been saved and also, if there's one here that's not saved, I pray they'd become a real man tonight and stand for Jesus. Lord, bless now in what I say. Forgive me for my part, but praise God for your part. In his name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Guys, I changed my message several times. And I finally decided to just talk from my heart and um, make it kind of short and sweet. Now, as I say that, don't, don't take that as the truth. I'm still a preacher. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I've been through a lot. No doubt you've been through a lot in your life. Life is tough. But God's never... God's never fallen short in my life. I remember as a young kid, I grew up in a <coughs> dysfunctional home. And my dad, you know, he drank up the paycheck every weekend. And he came home mean drunk. And I had three sisters and I was a big boy. I've always been a big boy. My aunts called me Gunsmoke. And uh, my mother was a big woman. She'd be mad as fire. Because she'd been left with four kids all day. And she'd tell me before he got home, he said, when he gets here, I'm going to tell him my, what I think. And I begged her, I said, Mama, please. Please don't say nothing to him. He's drunk. And you know it'll be a big fight. I ain't talking about a cuss fight or a Holla fight, I'm talking about a knockdown drag out. And I'd have to stand between them. And they threatened to kill each other. <clears throat> and I thought they were. I remember one day I was outside working on a hog pen. And we'd had a throw down the night before, and it was on a Sunday morning. And I was trying to keep the old hog in the pen there, and 
Daddy was uh, sleeping one off, and Mama was cooking, and I heard the office racket you ever heard. Sounded to me like a shotgun, and I said, well, he's killed him. You know, little boy, I'll not have to go through such as that. But there was a country preacher came to the house and he got out his Bible and he talked to my daddy and he got saved. And God changed my home. He quit drinking for 10 years and I grew up. We went to church. Now, I went to church before that. My neighbor picked me up and my sisters every Sunday morning. <laughs> Mom and Daddy, they didn't go much. Daddy go during revival. Mama, she couldn't stand the crowd. <laughs> and there's people like that. She was sincere about that. She couldn't stand the crowd. But my neighbor would pick me up and pick my sisters up and we'd go to church. Well, we went to church that following Sunday with my whole family. And then when they gave the invitation, my dad, my sister, my older sister, walked the aisle, and I thought, I'm getting in on this. And I walked the aisle with them. Now, I didn't know what it meant to be saved. I was five years old at that time. As, for, as much as I remember, and... uh I knew that God loved me and God was looking out for me. And I felt good about being baptized, but I didn't get saved because being saved is not praying a prayer, it's not being baptized, it's not joining the church. It's a changed life. And I just wanted to be in on what God was doing it was a big help in my life. Those people there at the church were good to me, and I began to fall in love with the church and appreciate the ministry of the church, and I love this church, and I love your ministry. When I hear you talk about things that you've done and things that you're going to do, men, you, you're at the, the hub of what God wants to do in this church. Now, we need the ladies to do their part, and we certainly appreciate them, but... uh. There are some little kids in this community that's growing up in a home like I grew up in. And they may be growing up in a home like you grew up in. You see, I've discovered something. We all suffer. You might not suffer physically like I did for <clears throat> the period of time that I was sick and still am sick. But you got something you're dealing with. Am I right? You got something that's bothering you right now as I speak. And so when I went to the hospital and began to come around, I don't know why, but I thought about my upbringing. And then God says, Terry, I still love you. And I said, why did you do this to me? He said, I didn't do it. The devil did it. And I gave my testimony at Shepherd Center. And this lady from Africa, she said, you know what? That mule was empowered by the devil. And the doctors 
examined me. I fell off the mule, but I had a broken rib cage and a and a, uh, a fractured lung, and I had all kinds of debris in my lungs. I had three infections, and that's what caused me the problem. But they believed that the mule threw me off and turned around and come back and stalked me. See, she really wanted to kill me. Now, that animal was not mad at me, but the devil wants me dead. And you fooling yourself if you don't think the devil wants you dead. By the grace of God, you're alive tonight. By the grace of God, you have a family tonight. Which brings me to my next point. Your family goes through what you go through. You might think, well, I'm a man and I can, I can keep it to myself. <clears throat> but your family goes through what you go through. I apologize to my wife tonight for buying that stupid mule. She said, don't worry about it. I did try to get you not to buy it. But I'm not mad at you for getting hurt. And uh, my family, Ben, I appreciate y'all letting Ben come to the hospital and spend the night with me. Uh, ben, my wife, and my three sisters, uh, they, they, went to, they went to extra mile. Ben would come in on Sunday night, sometimes at 9 o'clock. One night he came in, and I was pretty ill because I get to hurting in the evening. If I lash out at y'all, I'm sorry. It's the sickness. Don't take it out on me, okay? <clears throat> but he came in, and my wife would fix him a little cot. And he was tired, and he had put his kids to bed, and it was about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I had a list of things that I wanted him to do, and he laid down and went to sleep. And I said, boy, I didn't call you up here to stay with me to go to sleep. Get up. We got things to do. <laughs> and we laugh about it now. But I didn't know much better at that time. I just knew I needed my throat cleared. Which, by the way, uh, I'm going to do something, and I want y'all to do it with me. You see, my greatest injury was to my throat. Not only did I get to the point I couldn't talk, but I got to the point I couldn't eat. And I've got a peck tube in my stomach right now where they fed me canned food for four months. Now, I'm eating now, praise God. I don't know how many of y'all don't like to eat, but I've never seen a man... They didn't like to eat, but I couldn't eat for four months except what they put in me through my tube. And so they taught me some exercises. This might help you, might help you, Robbie. I got where I couldn't talk very well, and so they said, you need to do these exercises. We need to start off high and go low. I'm going to show you how. Ben, uh, you and Titus, you already know how. I doubt Titus will help. Titus is hiding. But, uh, <clears throat> Ben, I want you to help. Oh! Now, everybody do it. Do it high and start, start high and go low. Come on. Oh! Now, I want you to take a deep breath and make one long, oh. All right, everybody go with me. Some of y'all laughing and you're not doing it. That's the one. 
But, uh, you know, they would come in there from time to time and we'd, they'd say, you know, we know you love food and you want to eat. So we're going to bring you a tray and we're going to let you eat it. But now you can't swallow it. You got to spit it out. You know, a lot of times men do that to God. We'll hear a message from God, and God will just be filling us with the power of God, Spirit of God. We know we need to change our lives, change our ways, and we'll spit it out and go right back to the place we were at before we came to church. Now, if you ever did that with food, that is a terrible expense, experience. After a couple of times of that, I said, I don't want any more. If I can't swallow it, I don't want it. Guys, you need to understand not only does uh, your family go through what you go through, but when you don't take what God has for you, you have come up short as a father and a husband and a leader in your family. My dad come home from World War II. He fought in the Philippines, and after I grew up, I thought, well, he had a reason to be like he was. No doubt he did. He probably needed some depression medicine or counseling or something like that. And I certainly appreciate his service. He'd laugh and tell it when he was drinking. He said, I was four days out and in for the duration when they declared war in World War II. Now, y'all remember that was right after Pearl Harbor, and they basically put men on a boat. There wasn't a whole lot of training. They just needed some bodies to go and stand against Hitler and Japan, and my dad ended up in the Philippines, and he lived a life of sin. He loved to play poker. And he said one night in a poker game, he won a whole sack full of Japanese teeth, gold teeth. And then he lost them in another poker game. You know, when I was coming up, we was kind of poor. And I don't want you to feel sorry for me because it, it don't, it's nothing to feel sorry for anybody about. But one time we had a milk cow and the milk cow <coughs> would have a calf, and that would be our meat. Well, he lost that calf in a poker game, and they came and got it. What you go through, your family goes through, guys, because that was our food. But the bottle, the drug, or another woman besides your precious wife, pornography, sin, will cause you to do and to be just exactly what the devil has for you. And you can't make a pact with the devil. Some of you, no doubt, <coughs> I mean... Guys, I'm just talking honest. But before I got hurt, I needed to listen more to God. I wasn't in sin. 
I was serving the Lord. But I knew I had to retire from preaching. And then, like Brother Robbie said this morning, God's more interested in what he's doing in your life than what you're doing for him. That was a profound statement. And so I thought what I was doing for God was important. Boy, I was passing myself in the road. What I really needed to do was spend more time in my Bible and get by myself and be the man God called me to be. He called me to be. And that wasn't come out of sin other than the fact that I had made myself my God. I had become a good man. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. You are what you are, and I, I'm like my friend. He told me something three times last night, and I told him the last time. I said, uh, you've already said that one time, Dorsey. He said, I'm going to say it again because you're hard-headed and you won't listen. That's the way men are, am I right? And guys, we are what we are, we are by the grace of God. It's not because we deserve it. You see, when I went through school, I didn't care much about it. And uh, just wanted to get out and go to work. Bought me a new car and went to work. Worked 40 hours a week. The, the week I, the weeks that I, before I graduated, worked in the grocery store. I was third man in the grocery store. I was, there was a manager, assistant manager, and then there was me. And I graduated from high school. I had DCT. I just wanted a vocational education and, and get out, you know. Didn't care anything about what the teacher said. I behaved myself because I loved to see people and enjoyed people, and I certainly liked the girls. <coughs> My wife was one of them at that time, and, and I was uh, familiar with her, and later on we, we got married. And, and, you know, that's worked out pretty good for 42 years. And and she has looked after me to no, to no end. She got me through a heart attack and open-heart surgery, and now she's nursed me back to health through this right here. But, you know, uh, I got involved in mission work. I was supposed to go to Alaska this spring. I went to Kentucky. And uh, even now I'm interested in doing some mission work over around Jackson, Georgia, and going to some places where some people don't have food, and some of those kids grow up in poverty, and they grow up without male leadership, and I want to tell them about my story, and hopefully some of them will get saved, and so I'm hoping that I'll get well enough to do that when the weather opens up, and go to Jackson, and, and give my testimony. They've got a trailer park over there where this church has been working in, and, uh, you know, I know what I need to do. It's just that I'm not able to do it now. Before I knew what I needed to do, but I wouldn't do it. When I went to therapy at Shepherd Center, which is a great place, I couldn't move this left leg hardly at all. One day I told one of the therapists, I said, move my left leg. He said, you move it, it's your leg. 
You know what, guys? You know what to do. You know what God wants you to do. I mean, Pastor Robbie, he does a good job of laying it out every Sunday morning. I'm sure you go to Sunday school, read your Bible. But there's something God has called you to do that you're not doing. And I really believe there's somebody here tonight that something God has told you to do and you you just you ain't got time. You know, going back to that family, not only should you plan to go through things that will help them grow as Christians and become better servants of the Lord, but you need to have a plan to bring them to Jesus. You know, uh, my dad had a plan for me to either get out of the house or come to Jesus. So he put me beside the road and got the neighbors to pick me up. You say, well, I bring my kids to church. Sometimes I might not be sincere in it, but they're looking to you. They're looking right at you. You know, I I loved my daddy. I loved him to my dying breath. When he was sober, he worked hard. He'd come home and get the truck. He'd say, Bubba, get in the truck. We're going fishing. And we'd go fishing and we'd stay till it got dark. And he'd, boy, we'd catch a bunch of fish. He could fish and hunt like nobody's business. And when the same thing with the bird dog, he said, get the bird dog loaded up. We're going. My daddy loved me, I thought. But if he had really loved me, he wouldn't have treated me like he did when he got drunk. And I came to understand that. And I began to take a long look. Am I putting anything in front of God? You need to be willing to endure hardships. Now, that's what the scriptures say there. It says we need to look for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 8. And it says for us to endure hardships and fulfill our ministry. See, God gave every man here a ministry. Every boy here a ministry. Now, mine is evangelism. I love evangelism. I love to see folks get saved. I love to see men especially get their hearts and lives with Jesus Christ. I'm not standing up here having preacher confession. I want to see some of you change your lives tonight because it's time, guys. Our boys are becoming gay or whatever you want to call it. Because mama's raising them. Our country's becoming a a perverted nation. Now I know it's the best place in the world to live, but that ain't saying much nowadays, guys. We're gonna take in God we trust off our money. We're gonna put people in and out of leadership that don't care anything about God. It don't matter what Christians think. There's more lost people in the United States today. As a matter of fact, there's three quarters more. There's 71% of the United States, according to the Georgia Baptists, that are lost. 71%. So they control this nation. 
Christians, you're going to get further and further in the back if we don't change our ways. We can't do the things of the world and compromise any longer. We've got to put a, a line on the hearts of our children, on the souls of our loved ones, on our country itself, and say, you know what, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and God's going to bless it. And he will bless it. I should have been dead. But by God's grace, I'm alive. By God's grace, you're alive. You know, I'm going to finish with this story. When I was in Shepherd Center, I had a lot of people that took care of me, good people. And I tried to talk to some of them about the Lord. There was this guy, this dude that come in, and I and I thought I had nailed him because he'd come in, boy, he'd, he'd get me taken care of, give me my medicine, and, and he would go out. He was a good nurse. If some of you want to go into nursing, there's certainly a calling for that. One night I asked him, one evening I asked him, I said, uh, are you a believer? You see, Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. A lot of us think, well, Terry's trying to get us to go from door to door and pass out tracts. No, that's not what I want you to do. That wouldn't be a bad thing, but you're going to come in contact with somebody that needs Jesus probably tomorrow after hearing this message, and I'm not asking you to beat them over the head with the family Bible. All I want you to do is let them know that you stand for Jesus. You say, well, do you want me to give my testimony? No, I want you to live like a man of God. So I asked this guy, I said, are you a believer? His name was Chris. And he said this, he said, I try not to talk about religion with my patients. Now, how do you respond to that? Here's what the Lord gave me to say to him. I said, y'all not be ashamed of what you are, what you believe spiritually, because that's the path you have chosen in life. And I left it right there. I didn't think it did any good. He went and put on Facebook. There's a nice man that's a patient in our hospital right now. And he asked me, was I a believer? He knew I was a preacher. He knew I was going to corner him one day. And I'm thankful that I did. I might have some of y'all in the corner right now if I... If you are, I don't apologize because that's where I've been trying to put you. <laughs> now I'm going to see whether you go up the tree or run out the door. He said, there's a nice man that asked me about my faith today. And I don't remember saying this. And he said, uh, I told him I didn't talk about religion to my patients. And he said, well, you ought to be proud of what you are whatever you are, because that's the path you've chosen. He went on to say on Facebook, I didn't know Christians thought like that. I thought he was going to tell me I was going to hell. 
Now, he come to that summarization on his own. You see, somebody that's out of the will of God knows God's going to deal with them. Somebody that's not saved knows they're going to hell. And they also know that something has come between them and God. That very thing you have chosen to be your God will be taken away from you the moment you draw your last breath. There will not be a party in hell. Your friends won't get with you and have another drink. There'll be no computer screen there for you to pull up naked people. You say, preacher, you ought to say it better than that. That's what's wrong now. We don't talk straight. We sugarcoat sin. All that's going to be gone, drugs. And the worst thing that I have ever seen come upon the church is going to be taken away, and that's complacency, compromise. When you are complacent and you compromise your values, Christians, you're basically saying, I don't care. So bow your heads. Close your eyes. You know, when I was a youth director or youth Sunday school teacher, whatever you want to call it, I would tell my teenagers this. Guys, I know some of you are doing things you got no business. Some of you are going to get caught doing it before long. And when you get caught, you're not going to want to call your parents. If you'll call me, I'll come get you one time. The Lord saved my life so I could help men. And I want to say that to you guys. I'm not going to call on you to raise your hand. I'm going to lead you in prayer, though. But I want to say this. If you'll come to me, or you can say, well, I don't know you. I want to go to Pastor Robbie. If you'll go to Pastor Robbie, I'm sure he'll make the same commitment. Some of these other men in here will do the same thing. We'll not just brush it off or parade you up in front of the church and say, look what God did so we can have another trophy on the shelf. I want to help you walk with Jesus because I know what it means to be a, a man out of step with God and also know what it means to be a man in step with God. Don't find out the hard way, guys. So in your heart, you can pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I'm a Christian, but I hadn't been following you. But I want to follow you. And what has been said tonight hit home in my heart. So, God, I confess my sins. And I'm going to get help because I don't want my family to live with a man that lies to God. That's for Christians. If you're not a Christian, I want you to pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I want you to change my life. And so I give my life to you. 
and I want to live for you from this step forward. And I need help to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to seek help. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Lord, thank you for these men, these boys. And I pray, God, that you would just take us and help us all to serve you in a great way. This is my prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, guys. Thank you. Thank you.